Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. I know I've been promising some updates and some news coming with that. It is coming quickly, folks. You will be hearing me, probably some others, talking about some big news coming up, both with Fans First Sports Network and the Steel Curtain Network coming up in the coming days, so make sure you're staying tuned to that. On top of all that, there's been some news amongst the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base. Before we do the news, though, I do have a programming note. For those of you on Wednesday, today's hump day, happy hump day, everyone, that typically hear uh, the Steel City Insider coming up at noon with Jim Wexel and Jeremy Ritz, just know uh, those two guys are going on hiatus for about, I think it's like three weeks. Uh, they will be back the week before the Steelers report to training camp. So unfortunately, that means that you won't have the Steel City Insider, until training camp starts to roll around again. However, however, we will be having some good programming for you. Maybe it's something unique. Maybe it's something different. Sometimes we'll have Kevin Smith, our own coach, KT Smith, his call sheet podcast, which you can find at Fans First Sports NFL feed. So just go to FFSN uh, NFL, anywhere you get your podcast, and you can find it there along with other NFL content. Sometimes we'll put that on our feed so that we can give you the chance to maybe say, hey, like this is a really good show. It's not Steelers-specific, but it's a really good show. Maybe you should check it out. So quick programming note. As for the news with the Steelers, the news with the Steelers is that they over, I guess it was rumored on Monday that they were rele- they're signing two players, a linebacker and a long snapper. I don't know what this team's obsession is with signing long snappers or bringing in competition for Christian Koontz. Maybe I just don't know what I'm looking at. And there's a good chance that is the case. I don't think he's that bad, but boy, they're trying to give people every opportunity to come in and take his job. I mean, you had uh, uh, Doyle, the tight end, former tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, was in camp uh, for, I think it was rookie minicamp. He was trying out as a long snapper. I mean, the Steelers have really been kicking the tires on some competition. And so they signed a long snapper and they signed a linebacker. Well, they only had 89 players. So now all of a sudden, they have 91. That's too many. They got to cut someone. Who'd they cut? Anthony Miller. Yes, Anthony Miller. Smaller, wide receiver. And if you listen to the show on Monday that I did with Dave Schofield, when I did my wide receivers, I left Miller off. And I said that based on the fact that I, the one thing that bugs me about Anthony Miller is the guy cannot stay healthy. He had some promising years. With Chicago, couldn't stay healthy. Goes to Houston. Again, some promise there. Can't stay healthy. Comes to Pittsburgh. Everything's looking good. Can't stay healthy. This offseason, can't stay healthy already. He missed almost all of the OTA's phase three and I think minicamp with a hamstring injury. I'm sorry, but the Steelers probably said, look, yeah, I know that Calvin Austin's young, but at least the dude is available right now. I know he got hurt last year, but... It's going to be interesting. This move, the Steelers releasing Anthony Miller, absolutely is going to be one to watch now with moving forward for Hakeem Butler. Good sign for him. Calvin Austin III, a great sign for him. We'll see how it plays out in training camp. It's going to be here before you know it. So I was back in Wheeling this past weekend, visiting my family, spent Father's Day with my dad, got a lot of golf in, 
Played pretty well, actually. Played in a scramble on Saturday. Played 18 holes with my dad and my brother on Sunday. Didn't play horribly. We'll put it that way. Starting starting to come together, as they said in Major League, when um, Lou Brown says to Pepper, his assistant coach, starting to come together, Pepper. That's what my golf game is doing right now. But other than that, I got asked by a lot of people, because when I go back home, my family, they know what I do. They know I talk about the Steelers on a regular basis. Very much plugged into what the team is doing, and they always want to know my opinion on things. And so we're waiting to go out for the tournament, shotgun start. All these people are coming up, and they're talking to me, and they're saying, hey, Jeff, you know, listen to your show, read your stuff, all this stuff. Hey, what do you think about this, that, and the other? A lot of questions about Kenny Pickett. But then some people said, hey, who do you think was the best free agent acquisition so far this offseason? Now, that's tough. It's tough because the Steelers have signed a lot of players. And so I said, well, I'm just going to, right out of the gate, and I'm going to do this for this exercise for the first half of the show, I'm going to eliminate any player that they signed within the organization. So that would eliminate DeMonte KZ. That would eliminate Larry Ogunjobi. You see where I'm going with this. We're talking about outside free agents. And I'm telling you who I think is my favorite and I think the best acquisition for the Steelers this past offseason. Let's first run down the list, shall we? I mean, this is a lengthy list. Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, Mike Tomlin, the front office has been busy. They signed Isaac Sayamalu, Nate Herbig, Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Keanu Neal, Braden Fihoko, Tanner Muse, Chandon Sullivan, Patrick Peterson, LaRaven Clark, Armand Watts, Hakeem Butler, and Marcus Golden. Whew. Let me take a breath. Okay. Yeah, so all those players. Now, some of them are, you know, depth pieces, special teams. That's their, that's going to be their primary role within the Steelers uh, in 2023. I get that. But if I had to pick one, which outside free agent pickup has been the best, in my opinion, so far? Well, it depends on how you view things. So this is how I'm going to explain things before I tell you who it is. If you looked at the title of the podcast, you already know that's fine. We're going to roll with it. So I'm looking at, to me, it's overall impact. I talked about impact players last week. So with impact players, they're people that are going to be seeing a lot of snaps. Barring injury, they're going to be playing a lot. So a person that is going to be a part-time player or just a special teamer, they're not going to be that. You get that, and that's pretty obvious. They need to have playmaking ability. They need to be able to not just be another body. They need to make plays, make plays on the football, make plays all around the football. They need to have the pedigree, whether that's draft pedigree, history in the National Football League. They need to have the pedigree. And they also have to have those intangibles, those things that you cannot – justify or even mention when it comes to statistics or anything like that. You need to have something that they, they just have that. They have that it factor. So immediately, when you look at these criteria that I just laid out for you, well, a lot of the people that I named in terms of the free agent acquisitions, outside ac- acquisitions for the Steelers, they would not fall into those categories. But there are some that still do exist and are listed when you're trying to think out, okay, who's the best free agent pickup so far? For me... It is Patrick Peterson. Without a doubt, it's P2. Patrick Peterson, Pat Pete, whatever whatever people are calling him, he is by far, in my opinion, the best acquisition. The guy that came close to taking this title was none other than Isaac Samalo. Isaac Samalo does fit a lot of the criteria, but there's a reason why I went with Patrick Peterson. We'll get to that. So why did I go with Patrick Peterson over all those other players that I previously mentioned. 
So on top of his obvious on-field skills, I mean, let, let, let's go back through that list of when I said, you know, how am I deciphering who was the best free agent pickup? He's going to see significant snaps. Yes, he's going to see significant snaps, and he's also going to be unbelievably versatile. They're already talking about him playing inside, outside, maybe even flexing to some of a safety role at times. He's going to be all over the place. Also, playmaking ability. The guy took the football away at a great clip last year at the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know if all of a sudden someone's ball skills just magically go away. I know by listening to the All Things Covered podcast with Brian McFadden and Patrick Peterson that he absolutely is expecting to keep that trend going. So he does have playmaking ability. He has the pedigree. Come on. This guy was everyone, everyone that has watched him play has said that he is a future Hall of Famer. Whether he wins the Super Bowl before he retires or not, he is a future Hall of Famer. He has the pedigree from when he came out of college. He has the pedigree from what he's done in the NFL. The dude is a baller. And I think even at this stage in his career, he is still a baller. Does he have the intangibles? Holy crap, does he have the intangibles. I mean, he has intangibles coming out out the wazoo. Think about him being a mentor to the young defensive backs. I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Andy Weedle, front office, they sat down and said, okay, we're going to lose Cameron Sutton. He's a versatile piece. We get that. But someone's going to offer him a lot of money. And while we want him back, I don't think that he's worth that. I think we can get Patrick Peterson. So if we let Cam Sutton go, and by the way, let's not pretend that agents aren't talking to teams well before the legal tampering period begins. That happens all the time. And so Patrick Peterson has also alluded to that he wanted to come to Pittsburgh last year, and it just didn't work out that way. So the guy has wanted to come to Pittsburgh. The Steelers are now looking at losing Cam Sutton, and they need someone to come in. And they also probably realize that this is the year with the draft class coming up that is so deep at cornerback that they're going to need someone to mentor these young players. Who better than Patrick Peterson to help some of these young cornerbacks, whoever they drafted, yes, we know it was Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice, but who better to help these guys than a player like Patrick Peterson? So they bring in Patrick Peterson, and now all of a sudden it's almost as if they have a green light to go ahead and let's add some young talent. Why? Because his his mentorship alone makes the acquisition almost the best, but there's so much more than that. Speaking of the All Things Covered podcast, there was a clip I saw on Twitter. I haven't listened to this week's podcast. There's a clip I saw on Twitter where Brian McFadden was talking to Patrick Peterson, and he asked him essentially, like, how are things going in terms of moving around? He goes, well, it's, it's going good. It's going well. And he kind of hesitated. He said, well, there's a thing that happened with my quarterback. And, you know, it's something I was doing during practice, minicamp, and let's just say it got good reviews. And Brian McFadden said, well, wait a second, you talking about Kenny? Like, what did he say? He said, well, I was lining up a certain way. Kenny Pickett came over after our session was done, and he said, man, when you line up like that, that really Fs me up. He said, so that tells me. You know, Kenny Pickett is still a young guy, but he's seen a lot of coverages If I'm doing that to him, then I'm expecting to do more of that this season. So I love the fact that he is not only making himself better, he's adding to his repertoire, he is mentoring these young players, he's making everyone else better too. He's making, I mean, think about that, he's making Kenny Pickett better. 
by going up against him every day in practice. And then Kenny Pickett might see that and think, I know exactly what they're doing because I see it every day in practice. He is literally just a wealth of knowledge. And he's going to be helpful to every single person that is willing to, to listen. Not everyone's willing. You know, for, when you have leaders, you got to have followers too. And people that say they're leaders with no one following, well, they're not leaders at all. I feel like Patrick Peterson is a guy that he'll say, hey, to any defensive back, slot corner, outside corner, safety, doesn't matter. Hey, what if you did this? I could see him even helping other players. These guys have been around so long, they know defense incredibly well. He is a wealth of knowledge. So when you think about all of that, you think about his on-field play. You think about how much he's expected to do in terms of versatility. You think about his ability to take the football away. You think about how he is brings the pedigree and all those intangibles I just mentioned. To me, it's a no-brainer. Like This guy is the best off-season acquisition for the Steelers thus far outside the Steelers organization. Gotta, I got to emphasize that. I think, in my opinion, Patrick Peterson is the best free agent acquisition the Steelers have made this offseason. A close second place would be Isaac Sayamalo, but because Patrick Peterson is that ultimate mentor, I got to put him on top. I got to put him as the number one. Maybe you disagree. If you think it's someone else, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Would love to hear from my ride or die crew. Just like I heard from my ride or die crew, plenty of questions in the mailbag, which we are going to dive headfirst into right after this break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is the second half of the Wednesday show, which means it's time for the mailbag segment. I just gave you the Twitter feed on the other half side of the break. All you got to do every Tuesday is to be on the lookout for that tweet. And then when I send the tweet out, you respond. I typically retweet it in the second half of the day. So in case you missed it, you get a chance. And we had a lot of questions. Let's get to this. Uh, The New Standard Pod asks, what does a year two jump for Kenny Pickett look like statistically? So a year two jump, in my opinion... It's not about yardage. It's about a couple other metrics that I like to look at. I like to look at completion percentage. So I'm looking for him to be upwards of close to 70% completion. But I also want to see his red zone percentage improve dramatically. Yes, touchdowns to interception ratio is going to be important. I don't really care as much about total yardage. Like the year that Ben Roethlisberger threw for 5,000, don't need it. I don't need that. If, if, if Kenny Pickett's throwing for that many yards, that means things have gone bad. So I want Kenny Pickett to have a high completion percentage. I want it to be around 70%. I'd love to have a 3-1. to one. That would be great. Maybe 2.5-1 to one touchdown interception ratio and a red zone percentage that is in the top third of NFL quarterbacks. There you go. That's what I think. If he can do those things, I don't think he needs gaudy numbers in terms of yardage. I think he'll be just fine, and that's a big two-year jump for Kenny Pickett. Brian Haynes asked several. He said, which line 
Are you more interested in to see in training camp, offense or defense? To me, it's offense. I want to see if the Samalo signing is as good as everyone says it is. I want to see Darnell Washington. I want to see Pat Fryermuth all across the board. Broderick Jones, how did I forget him? I don't know. I want to see the offensive line. Brian Haynes also says, who's your favorite player to listen to during interviews? One past and one present. Um, in terms of past players during interviews, I've always thought that Vince Williams was a great interview. He was very honest. Uh, early in his career, he really opened up a lot. I also liked listening to Ben Roethlisberger. I like guys that are honest. And yes, there are times where I'll say that they need to shut up and not be so honest. And yeah, I understand I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. That's who I am. I'm sorry. Uh, presently, I, I think that some of the let's see the best interviews. I, I like listening to Kenny Pickett. The people that you hear the most are the people that you tend to, you know, gravitate towards. So you, you hear a lot of Cam Hayward, you hear a lot of TJ Watt, you hear a lot of Kenny Pickett. Those are the players that are typically tasked with answering questions after a game. I think Kenny Pickett does a masterful job with the media. So I'll say him. Next from Brian, where do you put TJ and Alex? That's TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith in the pantheon of linebacker duos from Pittsburgh. Can include inside, can include inside linebackers. I would say that if Alex Highsmith can duplicate his double-digit sack season and if T.J. Watt stays healthy, I would say that they could be up there with the greatest. And I think the greatest outside linebacker duo in Steelers history was probably Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd. And after that would be James Harrison and Lamar Woodley. Maybe then you go with Alex and T.J. and then maybe you follow it up with Joey Porter and Clark Hagens. I just think for me, if, if they have another great year, they would be pushing that top unit because I would take a Highsmith and Watt over Harrison and Woodley if Highsmith can duplicate his success from last season. So keep that in mind. Last one from Brian. Um, between Alex and TJ, which one is Harry and which one is Lloyd? Well, I used a Dumb and Dumber gif for this, uh, this tweet this week. So I would say that TJ Watt is Lloyd and we'll go Alex Highsmith as Harry. There you go. Oh, uh, Heath Davis. He chimed in with a couple questions. El Jefe. What do you think? What do you look for in your third running back? Harrison Warren are a good one, two punch. What would make a good three for them? I could see a world where McFarlane is released and Monty makes the third spot as a fullback running back. As long as he contributes on special teams. Well, the special teams aspect is a must for running back three, is a must. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you don't play special teams, you are not making the roster as a third running back. So that's going to be a must. I think that if McFarland, if, so you think about Anthony Miller being released, if he can return punts and kicks and they don't need Calvin Austin to do that, then he might have a spot on this team. If Calvin Austin's the one returning punts and kicks, then I don't think that he has a spot on this team unless he starts to play better special teams. It's going to be something to watch this preseason and training camp. Next from Heath, we all make fun of the jet sweeps at Canada calls, but when you have when you when you have speed like Calvin Austin the third or a physical receiver like George Pickens, those plays tend to work better. Do you think you will see as we will see as many sweeps this year? And who do you see carrying them? Well, Heath, if you think back to last season, we saw Gunnar Olszewski. We saw Connor Hayward. We saw Jalen Warren. Uh, we saw a bunch of other people. Deontay Johnson got an end around at one point. I don't think they, you know, are going to in any way, shape, or form say players are not going to get that play. I think that, you know, if, if you can catch a defense sleeping, throw in Hakeem Butler, 
I don't care. He's fast. He's big. Give him the ball. Give him his space. Let him run. That's what I want to see. I don't care how they create splash plays. Just create splash plays. That's all I want from the offense. Lastly, from Heath, if you had to pick one team that isn't in the AFC North to have tickets to every time the Steelers play them, what team would it be? Mine would be either New England or Dallas. So no division rival. I get to watch them play them every time they play them. I'm going to go with an AFC opponent based on the fact that I would want to see them more often. If it's an NFC opponent, even with the 17th game, it's just going to be more sporadic and and spaced out. I don't like that. So I'm going to go with an AFC opponent, and I'm going to go, believe it or not, see, there's a lot of good teams that I would love to see play the Steelers on a regular basis. You know what? I'm I'm going to play a tricky one here. I'm going to go with the... I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Why? Because I wouldn't mind a trip to South Beach if it's a little cold up north to go see the boys down in South Beach uh, where it's a little bit warmer. So that's what we'll go. I tricked you there. All right. All right. Let's go with uh, Haskins QB1 as a couple. Hey, Jeff, I just want to say I love the podcast and all you do. I've been around for a while. I know you have. And want to say your show helped me through a lot. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. But with that said, how do the Steelers play Kenny Pickett in the preseason? Will he get the big Ben treatment? That is a great question, Haskins QB1. How will the Steelers handle Kenny Pickett in this preseason? If last year is any indication as it pertains to the starting quarterback, not necessarily Kenny Pickett, I believe Mitch Trubisky played about a quarter in the first game. I think he played about a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half in the second, and he didn't play much at all in the third. I could see them following that same script with Kenny Pickett, but it also depends on how he is doing in those games. I think that's very important. But that's it's going to be a talking point. We gotta, we're going to have to discuss that as we get closer. Haskins QB1 also asks, Hey, Jeff, what's a realistic deal to get Chase Young? And what would be a surprising cut that would make you say, Wow, I don't know what a deal is to get Chase Young. It, it's th- This has been the biggest, since I broke that story over a week ago, almost two weeks ago, I, I, that's what everyone's asked. What's it going to take? I don't know. I don't know what the commanders would ask for. I don't know what the Steelers are willing to give up. I don't think he's worth a first round pick. I don't think he's worth a second round pick. I would be saying, let's give you, a th- I'll give you a third round pick next year and maybe a 2025 fifth round pick, or you could take a player on the current roster, i.e. a Kevin Dotson or someone like that. I'm not giving up a first-round pick. If they're asking a first-round pick, they're going to have that guy on their roster all year, and then he'll become a free agent, in which case, then the Steelers could go after him and name their price. So that's what I think. As for the cut that would make me say, wow, I got to be honest. If I were thinking of someone that got cut that would make me say, like, wow, I cannot believe that happened, it would probably be someone like the player I just mentioned as a possible trade bait, Kevin Dotson. If Kevin Dotson, maybe the Steelers are just fed up. Maybe they just don't even want to deal with him anymore. If he's that type of type of guy and they cut him, that would make me say, wow, it really would. Doc M, or Southside Doc, as he's known on these parts in the Ride or Die crew, asked a couple questions. Here's his first one. What would failure to meet expectations tell you about the current team and its future? Are we placing unrealistic expectations due to Tomlin's history? How does strength of divisional opponents play into expectations? All right, let's break this down one at a time. What would failure to meet expectations tell you about the current team and its future? 
Well, that depends on what your expectations are. So I've had a lot of people on my Monday shows and the Monday morning conversation, and I've asked them, well, what's your ceiling for the team? Some people say 12, 13 wins. Some people say it's 14. That's crazy, but still, they're those those individuals' expectations, right? And then I would say, well, what's your floor? Well, nine wins, eight wins. That's quite the disparity. That's, that's, you think about the disparity there in terms of the floor and the ceiling. So it all depends on your individual expectations. Or maybe your expectations aren't even a win total. Maybe your expectations are more based on where do they go. You make the playoffs. You win a game. You know, you, you get into the divisional round. Something like that. So if you fail to meet the expectations, I would know. I would want to know why. Was did the injury bug come in and bite the team? You know, did did T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris all get hurt for lengthy periods of time? Well, that can derail the season real quick and doesn't really tell me anything about the current team or its future. Are we placing unrealistic expectations on Tomlin's history? I think only in regards to having win more, win more games than you lose. That's the only thing that people are lumping when it comes to Tomlin's history, how to strengthen the divisional opponent play into expectations. Well, yeah, you played those teams twice. It's six games that represent your division. The better they are, the tougher those games will be. And this is the state of the Steelers right now. They are going to have some tough divisional opponents. And so I think that does, it should play into people's expectations. I'm not sure if it does, because typically the Steelers play in their division very, very well. Last one from Doc M. If Tomlin retired today, what kind of coach would you like to see leading this team? Great question. I would look for, and this is in no way, shape, or form racial. Please understand that. I would look for a Bill Cowher-type coach. So we already know Chuck Knoll retires. The Steelers go with a young coach. He has the uh, – think about the emotion he brought to the team. Think about the the overarching scheme that he brought, physicality, hard-nosed football. Now, Mike Tomlin – so Bill Cowher retires. 2007, Mike Tomlin's hired. He's a young coach. He brings a lot of energy, brings a new expertise to the team. I, I can say what I would want and what I'd like to see, but I could tell you what it's going to be whenever Tomlin does or what it won't be or not likely to be. It's not likely to be a coach that's been around the block a bunch. It's more likely to be a coach that's young, has a ton of promise and potential, and the Steelers are going to be willing to let him grow there because they don't like turnover. So there you go. Brandon Diaz cheated. He cheated big time with the Ride or Die crew and all this stuff. He did... A he did the notes and sent me a picture, six questions because he didn't want the the restrictions of Twitter and the characters. So I'm still gonna answer him, Brandon, because you're a member of the Ride or Die crew. Number one, thoughts on the US Open, Clark winning, and drama around the LA Country Club buying most of the tickets. So the US Open I thought was it was competitive. Some big names on the leaderboard, love to see it. Clark winning. I always tend to root for players that are are bigger names, but at the same time. It's cool to see a young guy win. He's been very successful in in the recent weeks and months on tour. So I shouldn't have been surprised. Nonetheless, I was. And the drama around the buying of the tickets, that's just, I don't get that. I really don't get that. that. That makes no sense. You would think you want as many of the general admission spectators in there just being loud, raucous, and making an environment. The place sounded like you'd hear a pin drop at some times. Just really, really strange. Number two. 
Why does Mike Tomlin get hate from our own fans, but his love so much outside the organization? I don't get it. So a lot of it is based on the fact that some people feel that it is embracing mediocrity, that Mike Tomlin's non-losing season record is nothing more than mediocre Mike, as some people call him. I don't like that, but it's that's what they think of. And let's also address the elephant in the room. Some people, it's racial. That's that's exact. I'm, I'm I'm not it's not me. It is not me. But some people, it is. They might not ever admit it, but it is. Number three, say the Steelers make the playoffs as a wild card team. Would you rather face the Bills or the Bengals, assuming it's an away game? For me, um, I would. I would want to see. Hmm. Oh, that's a tough question. It's going to be an away game. I, I'm I, man. I don't want to go to either place. The Bengals stadium is just a disaster. I mean, just bad stuff happens there. Buffalo would be a tough place to play as well. You know what, though? I'll go with Buffalo. Yeah, I said it. I'd rather go to Buffalo and play Josh Allen. I think he he can be rattled more than Joe Burrow, at least at this juncture. Good question. Number four, with the devaluation of running backs, does Najee get a second contract with the Steelers? I don't know if he gets a second contract unless you count the franchise or the fifth-year fifth year option. I think he gets that picked up unless he gets hurt. And they might franchise tag him. Do what they're doing right now, as you see with, like, Saquon Barkley. Uh, Josh Jacobs is another one. Let's hope that the Steelers don't want to do that and that he's performing well enough that they want to give him a second-year contract. Number five, who should get their jersey retired by the Steelers first, Troy Ben or someone else? I think they're going to pump the brakes a little bit on the retirements of jerseys. They only have three. Uh, you should know Ernie Stottner, Mean Joe Green, and now Franco Harris. I think it would definitely be a 70s legend before it was a current player. So I would say that it's going to be someone else before it's Troy or Ben. And I would probably think, man, that could be any number of players. Maybe it would be like a, a Jack Lambert, you know, a 58, or a, or a Jack Ham. That could be a two. Number six, thoughts on Anthony Miller being released. Kind of addressed that already, Brandon. The guy just cannot stay healthy. Can't make the club from the tub is what they always say. So that's it. That's all it is for me. I'm going to be back on Friday. Probably have Jeremy Jerome bets on talking about all bets are off. You know that segment every Friday. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of the week. We will see you on Friday. We'll see you on Friday.